Hello, and welcome to the Lakeshore Records podcast, On Cue With. I'm your host, Alon Levitin, and in this episode, I had the pleasure of speaking with a very wise and talented man. Einar Selvig is a one-of-a-kind composer, poet, singer, drummer, musicologist, and all-around badass. We discuss Einar's composition process for Ubisoft's Assassin's Creed Valhalla, how his music ties into gameplay, Norse mythology and philosophy, common Viking misconceptions, Einar's work with composers Jesper Kidd and Sarah Schachner, animism, Viking humor, Einar's epic band Wardruna, a mantra from Odin himself, Einar's highly anticipated Assassin's Creed Valhalla solo album, and much more. The Assassin's Creed Valhalla soundtrack will be available on November 13th, 2020 on Lakeshore Records. I hope you enjoy my conversation with Einar and learn as much from him as I do. Welcome, Einar. Thank you so uh, much, sir. Thank you so much for joining us. Um, it's an incredible accomplishment, Assassin's Creed Valhalla. I've heard some of your music, yep. not all of it. Uh, very wide-ranging, very um, hearty, very, there's, so, there's so much meat and potatoes to discuss about it, and I just would love to learn from you today on this podcast. Uh, you know, I'm not so familiar with this type of music. And so I would like to, in some ways, it's a, it's a casual discussion, but if you don't yeah. mind teaching me a little sure. bit about what, what you have done, because as you may know, you know, I'm American. We have a bit of a cartoonish understanding <laughs> of uh, Vikings and this, this um, mythology and all of that, whereas you are, I would say for all intents and purposes, an expert of, of your traditions and your culture and these ancient traditions that maybe you can give us a little bit of background about yourself, yeah. uh, how you came to be interested in this more uh, specifically and music and your process, anything you'd like to share with us. Yeah, sure. I'll, uh, well, I can start. Uh, yeah. My name is Aina Salvik, of course. And uh, yeah, I come from... Um, Come from the west coast of Norway, um, small inland island north of a city called Bergen. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know, if, I guess I've, I've been exposed to uh, like a lot of history and, and sagas and stuff like that since I was a child. Um, had people in my close family who were very... Very, uh, they knew their saga literature, so I would get a lot of stories. And whenever we were on holiday or visited specific places, I would get like the story of what had happened here at some point in time. And mm-hmm. as a kid, uh, probably didn't re- reflect too much upon that. But uh, mm-hmm. when I found that interest on my own in, in my early teens, the, the the interest for for the Norse culture and mythology and all of that, um, I. F- found that yeah a lot of those stories and images um had stuck and and i guess enhanced that uh, interest or given me a sense of place in in time or in in history in that sense so is so that interest is something i've been um um yeah carrying uh, uh, around for a long time and um 
and also uh, as a musician i i started out really um I was obsessed by the by drums. Uh, that was kind of my my main instrument, also for many years. Uh, that's where I started. Um, uh, I got my first toy kit when I was three. Totally destroyed it, uh, and uh, yeah, I got a proper kit um, through um, musicians in the family when I was uh, seven or eight or something like that. And uh, quickly understood that. I don't like playing other people's music and that kind of was a driving force to to uh to learn other instruments so I could make music and and play to that instead and um uh yeah did lots of different music often with a Norse theme um uh, a lot of metal music in the beginning um for many years I guess um and at some point I don't know I can remember uh, early in my teens, I had this vision of uh, of doing something more in 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 line with uh, both the Norse uh, tradition, but also in terms of uh, traditional music. And and I grew up with metal music and and classical music and and traditional music. That's sort of, um, but. Um, yeah, and uh, I guess around 20 years ago, I, um, out of a, I, I kind of felt that uh, nobody was um, interpreting these stories and these traditions on their own premises uh, when it came to musical renditions of them. And, and so I, I wanted to do something about that or f- had a need to do something about that. So I, I started... Um, studying what we had of sources for for musical within the musicology of it came across all of these fantastic obscure instruments that yeah almost nobody knew anything about it and and uh, yeah um so that's kind of where i started my 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 main musical outlet uh, which is called wardruna mm-hmm. um and um spent a lot of time digging into um digging into these instruments that's uh, some of them i had to make myself um uh, because yeah nobody was doing it uh, maybe a handful of people on the planet um and some of the instrument i had builders build for me uh um and yeah started started with that diving into that and and it's that being said, uh, authenticity is, of course, important. It's important for me to study sources, both when it comes to the musicology of it, but, uh, but also when it comes to the themes I'm working with, um, building on solid ground before venturing into the more intuitive processes. Um, and so uh, that, that's kind of a, a, an important rule. That being said, it's not... It's not the prime goal for me to make, uh, to recreate music from any specific time period. It's more about taking something old and uh, creating something new with it. Um, but uh, uh, the starting point is always based on what we know or what we think we know, at least. Um, yeah, and, and I guess... Um, 
Yeah, a few years into the, I think se- uh, after the first release of of the first Wodruna album, um, was contacted by um, by uh, the TV series uh, Vikings, and um, because they for the first season they they used quite a bit of the Wodruna music. And for the second season uh, and and onwards, they they wanted to have that kind of those sounds uh, more into the heart of the series, and um, so I, I ended up working alongside Trevor Morris on uh, on the soundtrack mm-hmm. uh, for the show, and of course they used a lot of Wadruna and and also I, I uh, ended up doing a lot of the the stuff that goes on uh, that happens in front of camera uh, in terms of musical aspects like anything from uh, battle cries to drunken songs or uh, ritual uh, songs or yeah all sorts of uh, things songs for funerals and etc even uh, uh, appeared in two of the episodes also performing myself um so I guess, uh, yeah, so th- this is kind of uh, the world I've been d- diving into for, for the last 20 or so years. So when, when Assassin's Creed approached me, um, they had already been, been using um, quite a bit of my music in, uh, as the temp- temporary music um, at that point. And um, yeah, it, it made sense. And also... Because I, I get asked to do all sorts of things, and and I've been asked to do to contribute on on um, games before as well. But um, I don't know. I I am a bit picky. I, I and I think that's important as well. I, I think um, if I'm gonna dedicate my self into into something, it needs to um, uh, have a desire to. Uh, yeah, to to try and uh, have an interesting approach to it uh, in terms of how the music is used, in terms of uh, the overall uh, seriousness of of how they want to portray the time uh, or the culture. Mm-hmm. Um, so and and yeah, like the the first meetings we had with uh, with Assassin's Creed was um, was very positive. I got a good impression. Um, they. Um, um and also they were like r- really creative and and they wanted the music to uh, to play a big role in the game not only as the soundtrack but all uh, yeah mo- more into into the the in-game stuff as well mm-hmm. uh, which is uh, yeah I, I guess where where a lot of my uh, my contributions um um yeah play out in the game. I'm, I'm curious. There's so much to unpack there, but I'm, I'm curious. Do you have, when you, when we were referencing the musicology, are there actual recordings that you reference or no. is there anything? Is it, how do you, how do, cause you have the instrumentation. Is it all via uh, oral traditions passed down? Well, um, it's a jigsaw, I have to say. Yeah. And of course we can't know for sure. hundred percent, what music sounded like in in the, 
in uh, Viking Age or Migration Period or Bronze Age. We can't know for sure, but there are there are many small pieces. So you need first thing is that you need a broad overview of the sources. Um, and luckily, uh, I do have that. Uh, and also, luckily, I have a practical approach as well. Since I'm a musician, I can uh, I can apply the practicality to the uh, to 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 these uh, hypotheses um, mm-hmm. made by musical archaeologists and so on. Um, and and well, some of, some of these instruments actually uh, never went out of use. It's a living tr- tradition uh, using them, and we know. Uh, based on archaeological uh, findings that even the tunings of certain instruments um, are preserved in later um, uh, folk traditions and, and such, which we know, have much more information about, uh, the tonalities, etc. Um, some uh, of the instruments are so limited in what you can and cannot do on it, so basically whatever you do on it more or less it will to a certain degree be authentic like uh like the long horse the uh, horns the lures uh bronze age horns that are all and these are instruments that are all locked to the harmonic scale mm-hmm. so basically it's the length of the instrument that define how many octaves you, you give but the ton- tones in between um they are locked um and of course, the the uh, we have the poetic traditions, which have um, which uh, we kind of know. Um, yeah, we know a lot based on later traditions how certain uh, poetic structures are linked to certain melodies and or rhythms. Um, so yeah, but both on in Norway and on on Iceland, uh, we know they sang in in um, in in pairs, like um, um, sang in um, what's what's it called? I lost the English word for it. Harmony in harmonies. Uh, uh, we have this term called tvisungur, two singing, which is basically uh, singing in. Uh, we see this a lot in medieval music as well, uh, not only in the Nordic region, but uh, singing in parallel fifths or parallel uh, fourth. Mm-hmm. So uh, basically, it's a, it's it's a jigsaw, and uh, s- certain things you you cannot know for sure, but but other things you can um, know within a quite uh, narrow margin, I would say. Also, in terms of some of the the stringed instrument that we have quite a bit of information about, some of the instruments are drone based, so that again limits it uh, quite a lot. Um, are, are these farmers making it? Because you have bones, you have horns, you have you know the frame drums. I think immediately of a farm. Yeah, well, yeah, of course. But uh, you know, even though we get this, have this idea that, uh, about the Viking Age that everybody was uh, walking around with swords and axes, uh, yeah. going to war, that's um, that's only a small uh, part of it. First of all, uh, you have to remember that uh, Viking is a verb; it's it's an act action. It's something you you did, uh, and so defining a whole 
culture and tradition based on what a small amount of people did for a short amount of time is is kind of wrong. Most people were farmers. And it's actually within the farm um, farming uh, traditions that several of the instruments I mentioned that there is a living tradition of using uh, sort of prevailed. That's in uh, like, uh, like the horn instruments, uh, especially they they uh, they were um, they were used as as means of communications uh, over vast distances, whether you were on a ship or um, or yeah, well, uh, it was a lot uh, used a lot in in out in the pastures uh, and such by and up in the mountains um, herding animals, so it. Uh, scaring off predators um, and uh, calling animals, actually. That makes a lot of sense. I was going to ask you about the pulse. There's this this driving pulse throughout all your music that is, uh, you know, for me, it just stirs up something very, uh, my eyes, my literally my eyes will open a little bit wider and I get a little bit more connected to to the current moment. And I think well, I think of all these instruments, they're mobile, right? You can move around with them. And when you say that you can herd animals or scare away predators, that really clicks for me because I can really yeah. hear that. And I've yeah. never thought of it in those terms. That's very interesting. Yeah, and that, that's actually one of the things that fascinate me a lot with, uh, with some of these instruments, that they have a layer of something uh, <laughs> uh, they're nature instruments they um, they have a really rich set of uh, overtones and and that's and that of course has an effect uh, whether you perceive it consciously or subconsciously it's there yeah. um, and I have to say the same with your breath your breath your your vocalization and this register this this like very round, rich register of your singing. Is that something, have you, did you have to discover this voice? Yeah, I'm not a trained singer. I'm a drummer. So I'm, and I never, I've never taken a song lesson in my life. And, uh, and I guess it's something I grew into. Um, I think I, I really found the joy in singing after, uh, I started doing some lectures and and uh, um, and like talks in in different yeah on festivals or or in or universities or or yeah doing workshops stuff like that and and there I I presented instruments and and I started to do fully acoustic more skaldic versions of of these songs and I guess that. Uh, that process changed my my relation to 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 singing as well it it um kind of demanded uh, me to to find that uh, resonance find my resonance and and uh, uh and such so the the um yeah it's been quite an intuitive process i would say and the uh, one example of the of the soundtrack is the words of the raven which yeah. is it's an amazing song. Correct me if I'm wrong. My interpretation of it, which again is an English translation, so I'm reading the English translation, but it sounds to me almost as though this is the raven, the raven's bird's eye perspective on the battle. 
yeah, in a way it is. Uh, yeah, it's it's a dialogue between a man and a raven, and um, yeah, so the raven uh, is, is kind of also, but also the the relation. Ravens have always been uh, this gateway between man and God. So seeking wisdom from a raven is. Um, uh, yeah, it is something we we see a lot in in this uh, this tradition in, in many different forms. Um, so you bring up you bring up the gods or gods, um, it, which I would love to ask you about because. So when you read these sagas and these histories, are they meant? Are they stories? Are they literal? Does it represent a worldview to you that you actually apply to your daily life? Some of the themes that come through these stories or these sagas, or well, yeah, I would say uh, in terms of poetry, I would say they definitely contain a lot of um, uh, relevant wisdom, uh, mm-hmm. forgotten wisdom, uh, things that. Um, yeah, you have like great poems. Uh, uh, like like um the which is kind of um yeah it, it basically translates the, the the speech of the high one uh odin it refers to odin one of um one of his names um and uh which is kind of a it's basically just uh, words of wisdom it's like 130 verses of words of wisdom for the farmer, for the warrior, for uh, f- and for the sorcerer, uh, for the more more esoteric uh, sides of things as well, and a lot of these things are um, are are good. I would say they 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 uh, have withstand uh, the tooth of time, in a sense that they are a lot of the wisdom is still relevant. And of course, uh, I'm uh, for me personally. I'm um, I'm uh, very very fond of animism uh, in a sense that uh, I think uh, things became pro- problematic the second we we took uh, God or gods out of nature and put them wow. up, uh, a different place, uh, not amongst us. Uh, we kind of took away the or disregarded it altogether. Um, it kind of, it, yeah, the, basically when we took the, the sacredness out of nature, I think that's where we started going wrong um, as a species. And, and um, I, I guess that's, uh, those are the elements that fascinate, fascinate me most. I'm not, I don't care, to be honest, I don't care much about like swords and battles and, and uh, sure. that whole macho uh, culture. It doesn't, it's it's interesting and it's of course interesting to to read about and uh and get a sense of a totally different time and and uh, uh a, a brutal time um but uh, here and now i i find much more interest in in the more esoteric or philosophical um poetry
I'm wondering if, uh, you know, with Christianity, man is, man is like a god, right? But, you know, all the animals are subservient. So yep. with, within, within this, this sort of more polytheistic animism or this general worldview, is man on the same wavelength or the same, uh, just like, like the raven or anything else, or like the mountain or the tree, or is it special, quote unquote? I think, uh, well, if we go to Viking Age, uh, we're way past uh, that. We, we had already moved away from from mm-hmm. um, from from that aspect of of the animism, I would say. So, but if you go further back, I would say that um, uh, I do believe, um, and and you see indications that uh, we view. Uh, yeah, we view uh, ourselves more as part of a, a, a circle uh, rather than uh, just observing it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but of course, ma- mankind, you have to, have to remember that um, old paganism was very much about controlling nature to survive in a way. It wasn't a romantic, uh, like no room for nature romanticism, (laughs) I would say. Uh, Not a lot, at least. Uh, It it was a constant battle uh, to survive. And I guess that that drive to control nature Mm. uh, in order to survive, that that immense drive that we humans have is perhaps what... what, uh, what uh, put us here in the first place? We we kind of took it too far in yeah. in order to get things convenient for ourselves and and not necessarily regarding um, yeah the the sustainability of of it all in the longer run. This is what I find so interesting about the soundtrack is that you have these great orchestral pieces, you know, Jesper Kidd, Sarah Schachner, and then you bring in this whole other world of influence that is just it's like a you're. To me, you are just a, you're like a portal into something so fascinating that I don't have access to otherwise. But it's, it's instantaneous, right? That's the power yeah. of music. Makes me happy to hear. And uh, of course, that's kind of uh, a, a part of my creative concept also that I've been working with for the last 20 years that, um, yeah, like I said, it's about uh, interpreting these things on their own premises, using relevant sounds, rhythms, words, uh, poetic structures, instrument, um, yes, yeah, sounds even uh, relevant. Uh, sometimes I go, uh, I record in relevant spaces, whether indoor or outdoor, specific time of year, etc. The list goes on and on. Um, in order to, yeah, bring bring the music as close as possible to. Uh, yeah, to to the core of what it's trying to express. Um, so, uh, I guess that 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 means that it it gets a different shape. I don't work after a um, song structures. That uh, it, it's basically more allowing the song to take me where it wants to take me rather than me trying to force it into a, uh, a shape uh, that's uh, predetermined. Mm. Uh, so it's a, a little bit backwards. In, in some ways, you can say that uh, uh, it's the theme that's the composer and I am just uh, the, the instrument mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. in a way. Is, so, is there, um, 
it's a little bit tangential, but uh, Wardruna, your um, healing mountain, I believe it's called. Yeah, Livia Yeah, I don't know how to say it, say it. Yeah, uh, Livia Bark. Yeah, I'm not even gonna try. Livia <laughs> <laughs> Um It's a beautiful. I said I seen the video. It's gorgeous. Where was that filmed? I mean, it's amazing. It was filmed on uh, on the northwest coast of Norway on a small island called Tustna. Um, very, very, uh, yeah, profoundly beautiful place. And, and uh, yeah, it was a po- powerful uh, uh, thing to 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 film as well because um, yeah, the song is about the healing mountain you climb, and of course, climbing a mountain. Uh, whether it's a metaphor or in real life, it, it has a cost uh, and it has a value. Um, and the more cost, the more value. Uh, so, uh, and um, uh, this was shot in May. Um, and at that point, normally there aren't, there might be some snow up high on the peaks, but there, there is there shouldn't be much snow then uh, but then the day before we started the shoot um the the, the weather gods uh, decided differently and basically we, we had to climb that whole mountain in uh, wading in a meter of wet snow and so i don't know that the whole process of making the video became so aligned with the content of the song. Uh, it, it was, we all had our battles. We had to fight constantly uh, during that whole process. Yeah, so, um, yeah, it, it was kind of special. That's great. That's cool. And you have, um, I believe you have a solo album coming soon. Is that correct? Uh, yeah, Wodruna is, uh, we're, we're releasing, a, or are you thinking about Assassins? Um, Both, right? Yeah, both. Uh, so first there will be a solo album, and then in January there will be um, uh, a new Wodruna album. Um, so yeah, busy time, and of course um, the 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 solo album uh, from Assassin's Creed will will uh, perhaps allow um, allow the the listener to to dive even further in um, than than the the main compilation release that is coming now um, mm-hmm. first. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, very soon. Yeah. So the solo will, will display more of both the, 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 the Skaldic songs that I, I've been working on and also the, the more produced uh, songs. And of course the, the, the music I did for, um, well, everything I did on 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 this game sort of starts out with these skaldic songs. Uh, it's a lyre and it's a song, and um, each of the territories have the have their own, um, both in Old Norse and in English, and and um, some are written specifically in Old Norse uh, to to fit the the givens. Um, uh, yeah, the, the quest or the story where it, where it unfolds, mm. and uh, uh, and some uh, I basically use uh, um, contemporary, not contemporary, but contemporary to the game, the mm. time fra- uh, time span of, of the um, the game, and and use relevant uh, old Norse poetry for um, for that. So. 
And then we 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 uh, we picked up um, a handful of these songs that we decided on on uh, building out to to a more full scale uh, produced version uh, for special special uh, missions and and uh, uh, places in the game. I believe I heard that there are songs sung on the ships. Is that correct? That is also one of the one of the things we did was that um, that uh, yeah when when you're on the ship you can uh, I think you can uh, choose if you want the the, the crew to sing along. <laughs> so great. it's pretty pretty cool. Very immersive, and I'm very yeah. There's and there's you know what I'm not familiar with. Maybe this is a conversation for another time. Is humor. How does humor, you know, because you think of this, you think of Vikings and you think of, you know, at least for us, like I said, we have a more kind of cartoonish um, view via Thor and all the movies, you know, and Marvel and superheroes. Like we take the gods and we turn them into superheroes and comic, right? Yeah, no, they are, uh, I think both in, in when you see mythological poems, but also in, especially in skaldic poems, uh, it's a lot of humor, a lot of um, crude, um, yeah. quite, quite um, um, how do you say, uh, or, uh, X-rated or R-rated, <laughs> I mean, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> stuff yeah. uh, often about uh, joking about um, sexuality or... or uh, manhood the lack of it uh and uh no i would say humor is is quite a lot uh part of it but it's kind of our own fault also that a lot of this isn't coming true even in like a lot of the translations the humor isn't um isn't very present but um uh, but but in more modern uh, translation, the, the ones that are coming out now, which mm-hmm. dare to be more, because it had had to be censored. Uh, mm-hmm. Like hundred years ago, they censored everything that was unChristian in a way, yeah. or too unChristian. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, so so the more modern translations of things uh, have have more. They they write it the way it's uh, the way it's written originally, and and. Uh, of course, in these versions, we see a lot more humor and, um, yeah, a lot more foul language. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I understand. Yeah, no, more I mean, sex. Yeah, and and I I think one another underlying theme to a lot of it is a camaraderie, right? I mean, yeah, like, like it, it's uh, it's an honorary uh, honor is central in the tradition, mm-hmm. very uh, very much uh, even. Uh, especially in terms of uh, honor, be, uh, being honorable and uh, even towards your enemies, um, mm. like there there is a proper way to do things, and and of course, and also the the society is very ancestral based, like mm. their beliefs and the tradition is very much about ancestral cult, um, and and so. Um, what family you came from and how, how far back it, can you trace the line even back to the gods, even uh, that kind of thing, because that determined your right to rule uh, ultimately mm. for, mm. for the elite at least. Um, and, and so um, 
So uh, that also meant that if you did something wrong, that didn't reflect on, only on you. Mm. Um, it reflected on the whole, the whole f- uh, family line. So it, that's kind of a responsibility you had to bear. If you were punished with a fine, it wasn't only you who had to pay it. Uh, it was your family. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, so, it, so that's kind of the good thing about it because it, it, it of course, uh, <laughs> really encouraged people uh, yeah. to, to take that responsibility um, of, of being an honorable person. If you weren't an honorable person, um, it didn't um, go so well. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, you have to take out your own trash. Check yeah. 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 And also, it's an honorary. Uh, no, it's a it's an oral tr- uh, culture. So, um, so the power of words, um, power of poetry and stories that that had uh, a lot to say. So, even if you, if you made like libel poetry, which is uh, like shaming poetry about okay. people, uh, it actually genre. worked. Yeah, 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 uh, and that was forbidden. You could be uh-huh. uh, you could be sentenced to death if if you did that because it, it the consequences were were um, potentially very big. Wow, wow! I have to look into. It's called libel poetry. Yeah, I didn't even know it existed. That's going to be a Google rabbit hole that I go down. That's yeah, probably. yeah, and it, it's it's even uh, like. Um, we have traditions that uh, it's it's quite similar to to slam uh, poetry and and like rap battling and stuff like that. Yeah. We also yeah. have like really similar uh, similar things in the Norse tradition, uh, even up until too, right. Um, I'm not you sure how much. I know there has been some talk about it, but I, I yeah. I'm not sure what what ended up and what didn't. Got it. Got it. Very interesting stuff. I'm conscious of your time. Um, I'll ask you one last question. Um, is there any, and this is a tough one and I apologize. Um, do you, from all of your, uh, the wisdom that you were mentioning from these ancient traditions, is there one little tidbit that you can give us to, to go away with or that, that helps inform you? <laughs> That's a really tough, tough, uh, tough question. Uh, I don't know. Uh, well, for me, um, um, Odin is is a fascinating uh, character, uh, both for good and bad. I would say, uh, and uh, for me, one of, one of the most. Uh, the most important symbolism in in some of the things he does because he's a he's a person that is willing to do whatever it takes in order to grow in order mm-hmm. to become wiser like mm-hmm. whatever it takes and uh, of course when he when he learns the knowledge of of runes um he hangs himself in a tree for nine nights and, and nine uh, days pierced by a spear uh, and, of course, fasting. Um, um, and, and I don't know, uh, it's a verse from, from there, um, from, from exactly that description of, of that ritual um, where it says, Shalver Shalvan Mir, uh, and that means I give myself to myself. 
Mm. And it, it, it's kind of a, a, a mantra I try to live for as well, because it, it basically means that anything of any value comes at a cost. And so whatever effort you put into it, it, it will pay off in, in a way. What you give, you actually give to yourself in that mm. sense. Um, so that's kind of a mantra for, for, for me. That is a good one. I will take that. That one goes straight here. Thank you. I appreciate that. Thank you very much for that. And for your time, I could talk to you for hours. I, it's very, very interesting stuff. And it really my pleasure. Time. Um, thank you, Anar. Thank my you so pleasure. Much. Yeah. Good speaking to you. Likewise, sir. Okay. Goodbye. Bye bye.